Right on radio. Right on radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Saturday night sermon. So depending on where you are in the world or when you're watching this, good morning or good afternoon or good evening. Welcome. My name is Eric, and I'm happy to be back to do another Saturday sermon. And um, let's pray and open this up. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, Jesus Christos, Yeshua HaMashiach, the King of kings and Lord of lords who died on the cross for our sins, who rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. So, Jesus, we ask for you to intercede during this time and over me speaking and everyone listening. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit. Let your word go forth and let it accomplish what it is intended to accomplish. We trust you to do this, Abba, because you are good and you are loving. You are love and in you there is no darkness. So, we are more than happy to be your children. And I pray, Lord, that those who aren't your children, that some of them may become so after hearing this. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to do a little bit more than just a Bible study. I also want to talk a little bit about the process because rather than just sit and hear others that have studied the Word of God, I want to give you some insights about how you can do your own study and how it's different at different times in your life and your walk and different for different people and I've seen some comments um, on Telegram of people, you know, have questions like, is meditating good or is it bad? Um, you know, I pray and I don't have experiences like other people. I read the Word and it doesn't seem to lead to the same things that other people get. And, and I wanted to address those things and um, kind of talk a little bit about them before we dive into the Word. And we're going to dive into the Word and it's a good one um, when I'm done with that. So... Jesse has shared a story about how she used to say, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go today? And Romans 6, I believe, if memory serves, and day after day and week after week, it was the same chapter, and she expressed her frustration that, God, this is the last day I'm going to go to that chapter because I'm tired of it. And that was the day that she had an insight that she had never seen there, and God did a revelation. He revealed his word in his word in a way for her. And God will do that for us. Um, and I like that because it's a very relational thing. You know, going and asking the Lord, hey, what do you want me to read today? Where do you want me to go? And when your walk gets to that point, that's a great way to go. You know, follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But until then... You know, I think, I know I have, and I know many others have, used to say, okay, God, open up the Bible and see where it landed and start reading and hope there's something there for me, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. I used to do that. Um, also, sometimes you could do Bible reading plans. There are resources that allow you to start beginning and read through the end. I know some that <clears throat> over a course of months or a whole year, you've read the whole Bible and it splits it up with some Old Testament and maybe some Psalms and Proverbs and some New Testament. So you get a little bit each day. Um, the, the, there's no wrong way to spend time in the Word of God. And when it comes to meditating, I did a word search on meditation in the Old Testament, and the only it's not mentioned very often. It's, and, it, and it was along the lines of where David said, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. 
and the idea is the meditation is, you know, when you're driving and you're not thinking about anything particular, where does your mind go? What does your mind meditate on when you're not thinking about what you're meditating on? Wouldn't it be great if our default subconscious routines when we aren't consciously focusing our thought was on something that was pleasing to the Lord? And, um, and so for me, I believe that meditating on the Word of God is a great thing to meditate on. Maybe it's a verse, maybe it's a chapter, maybe it's a passage. Um, spending time thinking about Him and His love and what He tells us. And um, there is, um, you know, a dangerous type of meditation, kind of a new agey sort of a thing, um, <clears throat> you know, where you're trying to empty yourself, get to nothingness to be filled by what? Well, Okay, it depends on who's filling you, if that's good or bad, you know. So, um, I think it's always good to meditate on the Word of God. And, um, and I would recommend that. Um, and I wanted to reflect a little bit about... So, back when, a few weeks ago when we did our study on Acts, and Peter gave his first sermon, and he mentioned a verse that's in the, the passage we're going to be going over, and when I when we did when I saw that there, I'm like, oh, ooh, that's what I'm going to teach on next. And it would have been the next Saturday, I believe. And when I went to go record, I felt like the Lord says, nope, you're not ready to teach it yet. And I taught on the on the um, I think it was the leper um, instead. And which is good because since then I've spent more time in this passage and seen a lot more. And so the teaching will be much better because of it, because of what the Lord's shown me. Now, just so you know, there's nothing special about me. I'm, I have a gifting and a calling as a teacher, and so when I when I operate in that, God blesses it. Just like when you operate in your giftings and callings, God's going to bless it and do marvelous things. Um, and you know, you can do a, a, a study on the gifts of the Spirit, and you know, whatever God has for you to do, you want to do it. And when people move in those giftings and callings, God honors it and blesses it. You know, it says the callings and the giftings of God are irrevocable. You know what that means? Even if you wander away from God for a while and rebel or you're in sin, you know, you know, if you come back to it, He will still honor those things. But what happens is you miss opportunities. You know, I know that I'm going to stand before God at the end of my life. And one, I'm going to be so excited to see Him face to face. But I also know that there's going to be some heartache when He shows me all of the things that He could have accomplished through me in those times when I wasn't willing and um, so, whereas your giftings and callings are, are not are irrevocable, um, you will miss out on opportunities when you're not moving in those giftings and callings. So I would encourage you, whatever your gifting and calling is, move in it. Even if it's not, you know, a, a big thing like pastoring or prophesying or, or uh, you know, apostleship, things like that. It, it, whatever it is, even if it's service, even if it's words of encouragement, when you move in your gifting and the calling, it's going to be powerful and it's going to impact the world for God's kingdom. And don't think that just because it doesn't seem like a big glorious gift that it's not going to be impactful because it will. And you'll find out the ways it did impact at the end of your life. And you'll also find out the opportunities you missed out on when you didn't go there. So please go there. Um, but I wanted to, to share how this, what I'm, the passage I'm teaching on came about. So one day I was 
curious where that verse was. I was looking for something, and I did a, in my Bible study app, I uh, did a word search. I was looking for the, the verse that said, in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The reason I looked up for that verse was back, I think, in the 90s. A guy wrote a book, uh, I don't remember the author's name, but it was Confessions of a Christian Hedonist. And hedonism is love of pleasure. And typically, it's associated with not a good love of pleasure, or not a love of the good kinds of pleasures. It's the indulgence in sinful nature. It's like the Vegas, you know, you, you go to Vegas where anything goes, and you hope that everything that happens in Vegas will stay in Vegas, so you do whatever you want, and you indulge in, in hedonistic behaviors, and oops, you know, it might not stay in Vegas, you know. Um, but that's usually what hedonism is associated with. And this guy, I didn't read the book, but when I had a friend that did, it, 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 it told me what the message was. I love pleasure. I love pleasure so much that I want the best kind of pleasure. <clears throat> I want the pleasure that's good and permanent. And the pleasures of the flesh, the pleasures of the world, do not come close to competing with the pleasures that God has to offer. In his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So pleasure now and down the road. And in eternity. So what's happened? What's wrong with the sinful pleasures is it might feel good now, but there might be long-term consequences and maybe eternal consequences in the future that aren't so good. And because the ultimate source of actual, real, lasting pleasure is in the right hand of God, the point of this book was, I love pleasure so much, I'm not willing to forego the pleasures that God has for me for temporary fleshly pleasures there. So I was just looking up that verse, and I found it. And then I read it, and I was like, oh. I've heard that verse quoted in the New Testament. And then, um, you know, I, I did a little deep dive into it. It's a psalm. And I did a little deep dive into it, and I, this is kind of cool. And then uh, we did the Acts study, and... Um, that's one of the verses is in this psalm that Peter mentions in his first sermon. And when I heard that, I'm like, God, like, okay, you need to teach on that. I'm like, okay. So I went into it. Um, didn't go a total deep dive, though. I wasn't quite ready to teach it three or four weeks ago whenever I last taught. Um, and he said, teach something else. So, um, so I did a deeper dive and a deeper dive. So this might seem maybe out of sequence. It might have seemed a little more... Uh, fitting in, going on the heels of that, I believe it was Acts 2, maybe 3, um, when Peter did his first sermon. Um, but when I was looking back on it, kind of praying about it, I was kind of like, you know what, I think I kind of see God was at work at something here. So if you went back to the first sermon I did, it was on the Lord's Prayer. And if you haven't watched that one, I'd encourage you to go to watch it. Um, and it's not that I'm such a great, I'm just a guy. Right? But God has shown me so much about the Lord's Prayer. It's such a powerful prayer. It's the prayer he taught us to pray when his disciples asked him to pray. And there's so much there that can help your prayer times. If you're new to praying, or it's a great template to pray. Um, and there's a bunch of great insights in there. And then we went over John 10.10, 10, I believe, was the next one. And it compared you know, Jesus versus the thief. You know, and this is what Jesus has for you. And then this is what the thief has for you. And it's kind of a no-brainer. You know, do you want to get stolen from, killed, and 
destroyed? Or do you want to have life and life abundantly? I mean, if you choose this one, I... Okay, good luck. Um, I'll be praying for you. And then the next few teachings I did, or a couple, were on the amazing stories of Jesus' miracles where he demonstrated in, in wonderful fashion um, how much God loves us. And um, I've, I've had people send me comments and say, man, that's so heartfelt what you shared. And, and absolutely, that is true. Because God ministered to my heart through those things. I am just sharing things that God has shown me and that God has touched me directly and I share them and that comes across. You know, like for instance, when I was studying the leper who I relate to, when I was doing a deep dive into what, well, what does Thalos mean? And I'm sitting there and I'm studying the word and, and I'm reading them all that Thalos can mean. And it's where we get the word I am willing from. You know, when you're doing something like that and you hear the Holy Spirit tap you on the shoulder say, Son, and you go, what? And he says, Thalos. You know, when I, when I get to that part of teaching that, I remember what it was like when he spoke that over me, when he told me that he was willing as I was learning on what that word meant. You know, the, the story of the healing of the paralytic. God touched me and ministered to me in that story when I did a deep dive into that scripture and I was the man laying on the mat looking up at Jesus and had this interaction with him. And all that had to happen for that interaction to take place. That's because God ministered to my heart with those things. So, um, you know, teachers need to be careful. It's easy for us to like see something that God shows us and we want to go out there and just give it away. But sometimes we need to let it soak in us first and let it uh, let it have the purpose God intended for us to have first and then go and share it. Because sometimes God just doesn't give it for us to share with others. He gives it for you. And then from that, having been ministered to by it, now go share it and minister to others the same way it ministered to you. So um, so I've seen a really good example of, of God doing that. You know, we did the Lord's Prayer. We talked about Jesus versus the thief. Spend some time going over the depth of God's love for us. And if you who are listening to this don't know how much God loves you, go back and watch, the, especially the paralytic one. God really loves you. Jesus really loves you. And he demonstrated it when he was on earth and we still have those stories in the written form and we can dive deep into them and understand exactly how much he loves us. And it's huge. So please, I beg you, I plead with you, taste and see that the Lord is good. I would say taste and see if he's good, but I know he's good. If you taste and see, I know you'll come to the same conclusion too. And today, the psalm that we're going to go through does a little bit more of that as well. And I haven't told you what psalm it is yet on purpose because there's a part of the psalm that really relates to things that we're learning these days. Um... And, and I don't want, I want that to kind of be on the tail end of the teaching, so I'm not going to tell you the address and, of the verses yet, because I'm going to kind of skip that part and save it towards the end. Um, but I really want to do a deep dive with you. And so again, sometimes you open the Bible and just read what's there. Sometimes God leads you to a passage. Sometimes you're following a reading program. Sometimes you'll just get this idea, huh, what verse was that from? I remember the book. About the Christian hedonist. Well, oh yeah, well where's that verse? Oh, I found that verse. Oh, this is a cool psalm. 
And then later on, I'm like, oh, wow, that's there. And then I'm like, oh, that's there too. Whoa. Hmm. So let's get into this. So I'm going to read it <clears throat> to you here in English. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip some verses. So I'm going to start um, in verse 5. I'll tell you the psalm in a little bit. The Lord, now that's in all caps. That means the name behind it is uh, Yahweh or Yehovah. So Yehovah is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless Jehovah who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set Jehovah continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Pretty cool, huh? This is David wrote this. This is one of David's psalms. And you look at David's life. He didn't always have a great life. Didn't always have a perfect life. Sometimes he had sin and faced some terrible consequences in him and his family's life because of it. But yet he walked with God. And you can see what a life walked with Jehovah looks like. And when you do a little bit of a deep dive into the words that are used here, um, it's really cool. Just got to say, it's really cool. Um, he uses the word Jehovah in here for the Lord. And it's neat because that's God's personal name. You know, for a while there, they, they took out the vowels because the Jews said that they wanted to because taking the Lord's name in vain is a sin, on the Ten Commandments, then if they don't know the name, they can't take it in vain. So let's take the name away. But why would you do that? Because that's like God's like, hey, this is your personal name for me. And David used it in this psalm. And he also uses other words for God in this psalm. We'll get to that in a little bit. But it would be like, my name is Eric. You know, I'm Mr. Whitney. But my friends call me this. And I give you an invitation into my inner circle by giving you the name that my friends call me. That's like what God did with Moses when he gave him the name Yehovah or Yahweh. And then to take that away from people I just think is cruel. But David uses that name for God a lot in this song. The Lord is the portion, my allotment, my share of my inheritance. That word is kalek. It's portion, tract, territory, divisions, inheritance, farmland, legacy, property, reward, territory. Yahweh, Jehovah, is the portion, 
the manath of my heritage, my territory, my inheritance. And he's also my cup. And that just means cup. You support my lot. And that word is tamak. It means to sustain by implication to obtain, to keep fast, to help, to follow close, to hold up, maintain, retain, and stay up. He supports my lot. Where there is goral. And this one's interesting. It's from an unused word, a lot. It also means a stone. Like the, when they cast lots to see who was going to replace Judas, that's what they did. So it's almost like rolling the dice. But And who gets what? Okay, let's draw lots. Let's draw straws. You got that one. So Yahweh is the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. The word lines is shabel, and it means cord, territory, band. The idea is the, uh, the perimeter of your property. Coast, cords, measurement. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Pleasant, delightful, lovely, pleasant pleasures. Indeed, my heritage, which is my possession, my property, my inheritance, my heritage, my heredity, my portion, my possession. My heritage is beautiful to me. It's fair, it's comely, it's beautiful. I will bless Jehovah, and the word bless is barak, means to kneel, to bless. To abundantly bless. To salute. To thank. To congratulate. I will bless Jehovah who has counseled me. And the word counsel there is yawats. Yaats. It means to advise. To take advice. To consultation. He's counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. The word instructs is yasar, and it means to chastise, literally with blows or figuratively with words. It's to instruct, to bind, to chasten, to chastise, correct, to instruct, to reprove, to teach. And the word mind there is kilya. It literally means kidney. You ever feel like you feel something from your kidneys, from your innermost being right there in the pit of your stomach? It's kind of like that. It's your... It's the feelings, it's the finest, it's the heart, the inmost being, the inward parts, your mind, the interior self. It's a feminine noun meaning a kidney, the heart as the seat of emotions. It is always used in its plural form. It is the innermost and most private aspect of a person. I will bless... Yahweh, who has counseled me indeed, he instructs my mind in the night, my innermost being. It's intimate. ton of intimacy there. I have set Yahweh continually before me. 
Shiva is to set, to place continually before me, always, constantly, ever, perpetual, regularly, sacrificially, continuity. The word before me is neged. This is a cool word. A preposition indicating before, in front of, opposite, corresponding to. It has a special sense to indicate Eve's likeness to Adam. In front of, in sight of. A counterpart or mate. Again, speaking of tremendous intimacy. I have set Jehovah continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. The word for shaken there is moat. And it's a negative. So it means, the word moat means to waver, to, to slip, to shake, to fall, to be carried, cast, be out of course, be fallen and decay. He says, because Yahweh is at my right hand, because I keep him at my side. The right hand or side it's the perfect, it's the person or an object. It means, um, well, you know, right-handed, you know, you're keeping them close to your side. Because of that, you won't slip, you won't fall. Therefore, my heart, the word there is leb. A masculine noun usually rendered as heart, but whose range of meaning is extensive. It can denote the heart as a human physical organ. However, it usually refers to some aspect of the immaterial inner self or being since the heart is considered to be the seat of one's inner nature as well as one of its components. So my mind, my heart. Therefore, my heart is glad. And the word glad there is samak. And it is means to brighten up. To, bli to be blithe or chiglesome, to cheer up, to be made glad, merry, rejoicing. A verb meaning to rejoice, to be joyful, to be glad, to gloat. I love that. To be so joyful that it's like gloating. It's like, I have so much joy, it's going to rub it in your face because God has given me so much joy. And I'm not going to apologize for it. That's the amount of the joy that's in the joy of the Lord. And you can have that too if you want it. My heart is glad. It gloatingly rejoices. I love that. And my glory rejoices. That is kabod. It means abundance, honor, your bosom, your riches, your wealth, your splendor. The word rejoices. It's either gil or gul. And it's a primitive root. Properly, it means to spin around under the influence of any violent emotions. That is, usually rejoice. Be glad, be joyful and rejoice. It's like you can't contain it. I love it. This is David, right? Remember when the ark came back, uh, the covenant, and David was out there in his underwear, jumping around and dancing for the Lord, and one of his wives, he looked like an idiot. He's like, pfft. Forget you. I'm doing this because God's the, the, the mercy seat has just come back. Um, this is David's writing this. It's, it's beautiful. It's poetic. 
My flesh also will dwell, dwell securely. And flesh is basar. It means your body. Will also dwell securely. And security, securely, it's the betach. It means security, confidence, safety, secure, unsuspecting, unawares, properly a place of refuge. For you will not abandon my soul. Soul is nefesh. And nefesh is a feminine noun meaning breath, the inner being with its thoughts and emotions. It is used 753 times in the Old Testament. It has a broad range of meanings. Most of its uses fall into these categories. Breath, literally or figuratively. The inner being with its thoughts and emotions. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Now Jesus, right? That was predictive about Jesus, but this is also true to you. Nor will you allow your Holy One. And the word there is kasid. That means holy one, good, kind, lovely, godly, to undergo decay. Decay is shakat, means pit, destruction, dungeon. So if you look at that, every word when he's talking to him, talking about himself, is a different word. Mind, soul, glory, heart, flesh. It's like David is in beautifully poetic form mentioning every aspect of your entire being and the benefits of having a relationship with Jehovah, what it's like. You will make known to me the path of life. That's Shayin. And it means life, alive, life-giving, lifetime, sustenance. In your presence... The word there is face. In your face, in your presence, is fullness of joy. Fullness is soba. Satisfaction of, of food or figuratively joy. It means, it's like Thanksgiving. You get satiated. You get full. Fullness of joy. And the word joy there is simka. And it's blithesomeness or glee. Exceedingly glad, joyful, mirth, pleasure, rejoicing. In your right hand, remember before he said, because I've kept you at my right hand, he says, in your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And the word pleasures there is pleasant, delightful, compliments, lovely. Forever means eminence, enduring, everlastingness and perpetuity, always forever, victory, strength. Perpetual. I think David did a really good job here of explaining how a walk with Jehovah, a walk with Yahweh, being a child of the Most High God, what that life is like. Not just in the future. It's not, oh, you're going to have a life and suffer for Jesus. But in heaven, you'll have it great. No, this is here and now and then. And even more so then. But David was, this is here and now. This was before Jesus came and made a sacrifice. But he had a heart for God. 
That's what his life was like. Even when he had rough times in his life, even when his own sin, his own rebellion caused terrible things, this is what his life was like. The Lord is my portion. He is the, my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless Jehovah who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set Jehovah continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. You're in your right hand there are pleasures forever. Sign me up for that one. That's the kind of life that I want. You know, I think that's, to be honest... That's the kind of life a lot of people are seeking through other means, but it's not available through other means. And the first part starts off with that. So this is Psalm 16. And I'm going to read the first four verses now and go into that. And I want you to be very careful in the comments because we like to leave our Bible studies and ministry things up on YouTube, so we have to make sure we don't use any code words that we could get dinged for. So you're going to see here in a moment something that you're going to go, is that what I think it is? And yes, it's what you think it is, but you don't need to type it out right in the comments, okay? So Psalm 16.1, a miktam of David. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good beside you. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. Let's do a little deep dive into those. Preserve me. Do you use the word preserve in your everyday language? When I think of preserve, I think of jams and jellies. Preserves. Or preservatives. But the word is shamar. It means to keep, to watch, to attend, beware, bodyguard, careful to keep. Defending, doorkeeper, gatekeeper, diligently keep, pay attention, observe, sentries, watchmen. Shamar is a primitive root that properly to hedge about as with thorns, that is to guard, generally to protect and attend to, to beware and be circumspect, to take heed. A verb meaning to keep, to watch, to preserve, to guard, to be careful, to watch over, to watch carefully over, to be on one's guard. The verb means to watch, to guard, and to care for. Adam and Eve were to watch over and care for the Garden of Eden where the Lord had placed them. Holy things used in religious services are to be taken care of dutifully by the priests. The word is just the idea of protecting like when David gave orders to keep Absalom safe. That's what the word preserve means. When J so when David says, preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. Refuge is kasa. Figuratively to confide in. That's just to have hope, to make refuge, to put trust. 
I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Now this is where, oh. So when David says, preserve me, O God, the word God there is El. And El was the generic word for God. And in the beginning of the, uh, of the Old Testament, when God was creating, the plural form of El is Elohim. And the Elohim made man in his image. And let us make man in our image. So the word El just means God. Um, and then there could be, you know, El Roy, El, El Elyon. There's, you know, different words you can put after it to do different aspects. But he says, preserve me, O God, kind of generic, O God, for I take refuge in you. I said to Yahweh, Yehovah, you are my Adonai. I have no good besides you. And I just thought, well, that's neat. In the bottom part of the verses that I went over, he's talking about all the ways that God touches our entire being and blesses us accordingly. And here he's saying, Preserve me, El. I take refuge in you. I said to Yehovah, You are my Adonai. I have no good besides you. And the word Adonai, um, it's often used... Um, in, in, in place of Yahweh, because it was deemed later to be too holy to utter. It means my Lord. The designation points to the supreme authority or power of God. The word often combined with the divine name to reinforce the notion of God's matchlessness. Preserve me, El, for I take refuge in you. I spoke to Yehovah. You are my Adonai. I have no good besides you. Well, what's the word good there? It's Tobah. Check this out. It means welfare, benefit, good things, bounty, enjoy, favorably disposed, good deeds, good things, happiness, prosperity, welfare, and pleasure. David says, I have none of that apart from you. I have none of that apart from you. How many people are going chasing after those things, trying to get those things, but David knew, I have no good beside you. There's, there's nothing good apart from you. And then later on he goes into, let me show you what I'm talking about, because this is what's there from him, living with him. And as for the saints who are in the earth, the word saints is kadosh, sacred, an angel, a saint, holy one. This is the word when it says, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The holy, holy, holy is kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Yehovah Elohim Shaddai. As for the holy ones who are in the earth, Earth is a ret. So when you when you listen to this in Hebrew, it's, it's so poetic and it has a nice ring to it. They are the majestic ones. I'm speaking to you who are Christians. You are the saints in the earth. Let me tell you what David thought about you, and he's right. You are majestic. You are glorious. You are a leader. You are magnificent. Your majestic ones, masters, mighty one, noble, 
powerful, stately. As for the Kadosh, the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all of my delight. And now we get to verse 4. Verse 1 through 3 is that opening. Verse 4 has who he's comparing and contrasting to, and then the rest of it gives a little more detail of what he talked about in the first three verses. Listen carefully. The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. I read that with different eyes recently than I used to. It's like, is that what I think it is? Uh-huh. This is David. Lived, what, 900-something B.C.? 3,000 years ago? Think there's nothing new under the sun? David was not talking about the surrounding nations who did evil things. He was even talking about those within his own nation who did these evil things. And what were the evil things that they did? Unlike the saints who are in the earth, who are the majestic ones in whom is all his delight, the sorrows of those who have bartered for another god will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. The sorrows. Hurt, injury, trouble, wounds, pain. For those of you who are not able to say that Yehovah or Yahweh is your father, but the other guy is your father, pain is coming. And not only is pain coming, it's going to be multiplied. To, become, to be or become much, many, or great. Abundance. Numerous. Multiplies. Outnumbers. Surpassed. Thoroughly. If you stay on the wrong side too long and you cross that point of no return, pain is coming and it's going to be multiplied. And please, I, I beg you, to reconsider, you do not want to be a recipient of that. You do not want to drink from the cup of God's wrath. And it's coming. The sorrows of those will be multiplied. Who? Those who have bartered for another God. The word bartered is interesting. It's mahar. It means to acquire by paying a purchase price. To pay a dowry. A verb indicating the giving of a dowry. It means to get a wife by paying the mohar, the marriage dowry. Gifts to acquire one's wife. You know, don't we know now that for those that, that join with the enemy... Nothing he gives away is free. There's always a price. There's a price you have to pay. You want the wealth, the fame, the fortune, the, 
the, the, you know, the crazy lifestyle. You want all that? You can have it. There's a price to pay. These bartered for another god than Yahweh. They were willing to pay the dowry. They were willing to pay the purchase price. They were willing to pay the entrance fee to get in. Their pain is going to multiply. And what was the entrance price? Well, David says, I will not pour out their drink offerings of blood. And yes, it is, I will not libate their libations of blood. This is not a pouring out of the cup onto the ground. This is a drinking of what's in the cup. A blood sacrifice. Yes, exactly what you're thinking. Exactly what's going on today. What's going on 3,000 years ago. Even in Israel, the promised land among God's people. The sorrows of those who have paid the price for another God will be multiplied. David says, as for me, I will not drink their drink offerings of blood, nor will I even take that their names on my lips. What were the names? Moloch, Molech, Baal, Asherah, Lucifer, Satan, you name it. And then he says, but as for me, Yahweh is my portion of my inheritance and my cup. You can keep your cup. My cup is Yehovah. So I want to wrap this up. And specifically to those who have paid that price for that lifestyle to take another God's name on your lips and did whatever unthinkable things you had to do to get in and to get what you wanted. Whether you were coerced into it or willingly did it. Whether you walked into it and then regret it later but feel like you've been stuck or maybe you've even lied to and say, sorry, you already are in, there's no way out. Hey, if you're still alive and if God hasn't taken your way your time to, to do it, you can get out. You can have the real pleasures now and forevermore. Not the ones that are going to feel good for your lifetime, but uh, when the pain comes, it's not going to be nice. And that's not going to stop. It's forever. Do you want pleasures forevermore or pain forevermore? I know that Jesse works with a lot of survivors. Knows a lot of people in the system. And whether you're in the system or not, if you're not walking with God, please, please choose Him this day. If you're listening to this, that means you still could take an opportunity to switch sides. To say, I went out of that. Give me Yahweh. Give me Jehovah. Give me Jesus. I want all the good that He has for every part of my being. It's not too hard to do, but you just got to do it. And I will tell you this. If you give your life to Jesus, no one can take it away from him. No matter what you've been told, no matter what you've done, there can be forgiveness for you. 
and unlike what got you into that, the price you had to pay to do it, see, God gives his stuff away for free. You had to pay a price to get that. Well, you know who paid the price for you to get what God has? Jesus paid the price. The price has been paid for you. You just have to accept his invitation. And all you got to do is humble yourself and get on your knees before him. And in fact, I want you to do it right now. If that's you, if God's tugging on your heart, don't wait. What if this was your last chance? What if this was your last chance to switch sides? What if this was your last chance to avoid that pain being multiplied forever in your life? What if this was your last chance to switch over and enjoy those pleasures that David enjoyed and is still enjoying this day and to enjoy those forever? What if this was your last chance? So please, take advantage of it because it could be. You never know when God says, I'm done with you. You never know when God's going to say, I will not tarry with your spirit forever and, and that was the last day for you. There is going to come a point in history when it's, the door is closed for everybody. But that doesn't mean that, at, that you have till that time. But if you're listening to this, now's an opportunity for you and I would adjure you, I beg you, I plead, please take it. All you got to do is this. You humble yourself. You say, God, I paid the price to get what I thought would bring me pleasure. I took their names on my lips. I paid that dowry. I did my buy-in to get it in that. And I've done some horrible things. You can't hide those things from God. You might as well show him because he already knows. And you just need to list them. You don't have to list every one, but just what comes to mind. Father, I've done this and that and the other. And if you've got a long list because this is the first time you've ever done something like this, go ahead and pause the video and just pour it all out. Say, God, I've done, here's my laundry list. And even if there's some you leave out, that's okay. The idea is coming humbly before him and saying, God, I want to take you up on your free offer. Jesus, you already paid the price for me. I want pleasures and I want pleasures forevermore. You confess your sin. You repent of your sin. You ask the blood of Jesus to cover you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Father God, will you pour out your Holy Spirit upon them right now? Will you convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment? Will you pour out the fear of the Lord in significant quantity enough to make them fearful enough to not act right now? Will you show them your love and your care and your tenderness and all the ways you want to love and bless them? to help them make that decision for you today, right now. Now you just gotta say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for paying the price so that I wouldn't have to. Jesus took that pain on the cross so that you don't have to. The Bible is very clear. The entities that you maybe have partnered with they know that Jesus is Lord. In fact, when you do warfare against them, you can make them bow the knee before Jesus' name. 
every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You might as well do it now and avoid the pain forevermore and get the pleasure forevermore rather than bend, bow the knee and go, oh crap. Do you want to bow the knee and say he is Lord now so that when you do it then, it's my Lord, my Savior, the lover of my soul, I'm so glad I'm home. Or do you want it to be, oh crap, I'm screwed, I waited too long. Don't let that happen to you. I don't care what bloodline you're from. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've believed and what you've been told. You were made in God's image, not the enemy's image. He wants you to think he has claim over you, but he doesn't. If you give yourself to Jesus, no one can take you from Jesus. So don't believe the lies the enemy's told. And come to him. And then just say thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for raising from the dead. Thank you that I'm going to raise from the dead with you. Thank you for rising, ascending to heaven to the right hand of the Father. Thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit to be with me now, to comfort me until I actually get to be with you forever. It's all it takes. It's a free gift. You just have to accept it. You don't have to pay the price. He already paid it for you. So accept it. Get on your knees. Say, He's Lord now. Accept His free gift so that you can get out of the pain and into the pleasure. Father, I just want to thank you for anyone who, listening to this, actually prayed that prayer or did that process, or who well did that process, Lord. Lord, the strong man is bound and his house is open for plunder. Everything in the strong man's house is open for plunder. So yes, Lord, the wealth is available for us to plunder, that the wealth of the wicked would be given to your children. But Lord, the plunder that's important to you is the people. Not only the captives that were being held in the strong man's house, but those who sided with the strong man to be the captors of the captives, even them, you want to plunder. You don't want one to perish, Lord. And so we ask that you would move so that none would have to. So give this opportunity to them to make a decision for you. And when they do, Lord, pour out your love upon them like they've never known. And bring them real children of God around their life to pour into them and to lift them up and to walk with them as they take their first steps. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much that you made a way for us to be able to do this. And I thank you, Lord, that you love everyone, even those who have done terrible things. Thank you for loving them enough to reach out even to them and to all of us, because all of us have sinned, Lord. No one is sinless. We've all fallen short of your glory. doesn't matter how far the fall was. It's the same trip back. And it's through you, Jesus. Jesus Christos, Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, it's in your name that we pray. So be it. Thanks for joining. I don't know how long this is. I'll know when I hit the stop button. Um, please join us after this on the hour uh, for the Sing and Pour. Go to Telegram to the main channel and we do a live thing. Uh, we do a lot of singing and praying and praising and the Holy Spirit always shows up wonderfully and marvelously. 
uh, you're more than welcome to come and join us. So please join us for the sing and pour. We'll see you then. Bye now. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.